This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, and welcome to the Bright Focus Glaucoma Chat. My name is Diana Campbell, and I'm pleased to welcome you to the chat today. Bright Focus Glaucoma Chats um, are a monthly program in partnership with the American Glaucoma Society, and is designed to provide people living with glaucoma and the family and friends that support them with information provided by glaucoma experts. The American Glaucoma Society counts, on, counts the leading glaucoma specialists in the country in their membership, and we are looking forward to hearing them discuss many topics about glaucoma during this chat series. Today's topic is glaucoma testing. Do I really have to, ha to do the visual field test again? Bright Focus funds some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for glaucoma, macular degeneration, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. Now, I am pleased to introduce today's guest, Dr. Michael Lynn, who is a glaucoma specialist at Massachusetts Ear and Eye Institute and an assistant professor of ophthalmology at Harvard Medical School. He performs a wide range of glaucoma procedures, including minimally invasive glaucoma surgery, or MIGS, uh, which we discussed last month, as well as cataract surgery. He treats all forms of glaucoma in adults. In his research lab, he's interested in determining which treatment approaches are best suited for each particular patient based on their glaucoma and their individual needs and attitudes regarding treatment. Dr. Lin, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to today's Bright Focus Glaucoma Chat. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Happy to be here. That's great. Uh, let's get started with the discussion on tests. What are the common tests tests that glaucoma patients get? Yeah, just with the name of the topic here, do I really have to do the visual field test again? I think we can start talking about that. We'll also talk about OCTs, and uh, we can touch on some of the other tests that are less commonly done. Uh, but just kind of going back to this, glaucoma often has no symptoms early on. So, you know, this, this testing is necessary to diagnose glaucoma and monitor patients and see how they're doing with their glaucoma to see if it's stable or if it's getting worse. Uh, because, you know, eye pressure is only so much that we can see. That's a snapshot in time. But, you know, your eye pressure may be okay or it actually may be too high. And the only way we'll be able to tell that is examining your eye, looking at the optic nerve, but also all this testing. So visual field tests are really common. Uh, most of the time, we're going to get a visual field test at least once a year. And the reason for doing this is that your glaucoma doctor can't tell what you see, right? I don't look through your eyes, and the visual field test helps me get an understanding of what it is that you're seeing and how your eyes are functioning. Um, so the visual field test is this thing where you sit at a machine, and the traditional visual field test involves you looking straight ahead at this machine, have your head comfortably seated, in a chin rest and then you look straight ahead and you get a clicker and the machine will have you uh, will cover up one eye and then we'll test each eye separately and the machine will pop up these white lights in the periphery and every single time that you see one of those bright lights pop up in the side of your vision you press the clicker button and the machine will vary the brightness of those 
dots, and that will help us determine how bright a little spot in your vision has to be in order for you to see it. And there are certain regular levels that we expect most people to be able to see, and the light actually has to be a lot brighter for you to be able to see it, and you can't really see those dim ones that other people can see. Uh, if you're seeing something, if, if you have to have a really bright light like that, that's a sign that you may have uh, visual field damage that could be related to glaucoma or something else. And there are certain characteristic patterns in glaucoma of how people tend to lose their vision in glaucoma. Uh, so the visual field test will keep on doing this until it's mapped out the visual field, and then it gives us a printout. And then oftentimes if you're in the clinic with me, I'll turn the screen over to you and show you and say, this is what your visual field looked like today. This is what it looked like a couple months or a year or several years ago. And we can tell if your glaucoma is stable or not based on how you do on the visual field test. Uh, and then the other one that's very common for most people is going to be an optic nerve scan. So you sit again at a machine and you look straight ahead and there's a fixation light. So you keep looking at that. And then within a couple seconds, the machine will take a very quick scan of your eye and that measures the thickness of the nerve tissue in your eye. Um, in glaucoma, oftentimes that nerve tissue starts out healthy and normal, and then over time, if your eye pressure is too high for too long and it's stressing out the nerve, then your optic nerve can get damaged. And we can measure that with thinning out of the optic nerve on these scans. So those are really the two most common things that are going to be tested at, at uh, glaucoma visits. Uh, there are some other more investigational tools or things that are more in research uh, but those are the most common tests. Great. Um, so you covered this, um, but one of our listeners asks, when they're going to click the button, um, there are times when they definitely see a light or times when they think they might have seen a flash but aren't sure. So I guess that's what you're outlining about the need for the brighter light or not being able to see it. So should they still click that button if they think they see the light? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it kind of depends on how your test results look. In general, when I'm first instructing a patient to start with this test, I'll just say, if you think you see the light, then go ahead and push it. Uh, but if you're not certain, don't bother and just leave it alone. Um, but when we see the printout of the visual field, we get these measures called false positives and false negatives. And false positives mean that you're pressing the button just too much uh, and it's, it's unlikely that you're actually going to be able to see light that dim. Uh, sometimes, you know, the, the decibel readings, like these, the readings of how sensitive you are to light, they're like super, superhuman levels, and people are pushing the button just because they said, oh, I maybe thought I saw something, and then they actually just push the button when there's not even any light shown. So if it turns out that you're somebody who has a lot of false positives, your doctor may say, Actually, you know, hold your horses. Just if you're really certain you see the light, go ahead and push it. But if you're not certain, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, but in other cases, some people have a lot of false negatives. They'll, they'll say, uh, you know, I, I thought I saw a light, but I wasn't totally sure, so I just didn't bother. And then they get inconsistent results where sometimes they'll, they'll not really be pushing the light uh, as much as they actually can see, and it kind of underreports their, their possible uh, vision. So. Everybody's a little bit different. Your doctor will customize the instructions based on how you do. But in general, yeah, if you're reasonably certain you saw it, go ahead and push it. And if you're not certain, don't, don't bother. Uh, the other thing also is these are long, boring tests for most patients. Very few patients are begging me to do another visual field test. Most of them dread it. But uh, even though they're long, boring tests and they require a lot of attention, 
If you need a break during the test, one thing that you can do is just hold the clicker. If you hold the clicker down, it'll actually pause the test, and uh, that'll give you some time to have a breather and just, you know, get, get in the right mindset. And then when you're ready, you can let go of the button, and then the test will resume. Oh, thank you for all of that. We had um, just coming in two questions from Barbara and Randy about those two exact um, items you just covered. That's wonderful. Um, so you've covered, you know, kind of how they work. Um, why is it so important to have these tests done? Um, and how, how do you as a doctor use these results to, um, you know, figure out what treatment is, is relevant or how you might change treatment? Yeah, they're really important because I can only see so much on the examination and figure out what to do based on your high pressure uh, only within certain limits. And then the testing really helps us figure out what's going on uh, because everybody's different in terms of their eyes. Uh, some people, if, they're have, if they have an eye pressure of 20, that's totally fine for them and their eyes going to be healthy and it's continued to stay stable and that's great. But other people, 20 could be actually a very serious problem for them and they're continuing to progress very rapidly for their glaucoma. And I can see certain changes on the examination when I look at the eye. You know, if the optic nerve uh, has certain changes in the way that it appears when I look at it at the microscope in the clinic, then I can probably say with some confidence that, yeah, you know, you should probably get your eye pressure a little bit lower in order to protect against worsening glaucoma. But I, I really get a lot more information of little tiny subtle changes that I'm not going to be able to pick up on at the microscope uh, by doing these tests. So if I compare your visual field test from the, the date in clinic to a visit a couple times ago where we did the visual field, if it looks about the same, then, you know, we'll probably say that's fine and we're just going to keep on monitoring at this level. And if I see that there's worsening over time of your visual field, uh, that probably tells us that we need to be more aggressive about your treatment and get your eye pressure lower. So that really helps guide our treatment decisions right there. And same thing with the optic nerve scans. Uh, there's The most common one is called optical coherence tomography, or OCT. So you may hear your doctor talking about your OCT of your nerve, but really it's just the scan of your optic nerve. And these scans, if they look about the same, then over time, that's great. Same deal. We'll just continue to monitor. But if it looks like the nerve tissue is thinning out on these scans and every visit it just continually gets worse and worse, then that probably tells us that we have to go more aggressive about lowering your eye pressure too. Uh, but sometimes they're also saying that maybe we don't have to be so aggressive about your treatment too. Uh, in some cases, in glaucoma doctor's experience, they say maybe you need an eye pressure of 15 or somewhere in the mid-teens. And we say that's our target, that's our goal, but you will come in and your pressure is 20 still. Or, and most doctors would say, okay, well, I think you're probably above target. Let's add some more eye drops or think about a laser treatment or some kind of surgery. But at the same time, if your pressure is 20, but your testing has been stable for several visits all these years, and we've never achieved our target of mid-teens, but you're doing fine at 20, maybe that tells us actually our target, our goal should actually be 20, because as long as that's keeping your eyes stable, then that's fine. And maybe we actually don't need to go more aggressive on your treatment. So... I think those are several ways that the testing is very helpful as a supplement to your visits. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so how often should patients be getting glaucoma field tests, vision field tests, um, or the OCT, and how does that differ for people who are 
glaucoma suspects or, you know, kind of just getting a regular eye exam versus um, patients who are in treatment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's going to vary for different people depending on the situation. Uh, in general, broad, broad, broad guidelines, I'd say in general, most people are going to get a visual field and an optic nerve scan about once a year. Uh, and that's, you know, if you're stable, doing fine, and things are looking okay. Same thing in terms of clinic visits. Oftentimes, you'll get seen maybe two or three times a year. Uh, but this can vary a lot. For example, some doctors like to test much more frequently when they first meet a patient. There are some guidelines out there that actually say that you should try to get six visual fields in the first two years of seeing a new patient for a new diagnosis. Uh, but I think some patients would just revolt if you ask them to do that many patients. Uh, if you ask them to do that many visual fields, they would just dread coming to your office. Uh, but uh, there are some guidelines that suggest that more frequent testing, you know, is is helpful and could help diagnose progression of your glaucoma a little bit earlier. Uh, but we also have to be mindful of, you know, what patients are able to tolerate, and also just what's going to be possible to do in clinic. If you had a clinic where every single one of your patients came in and they got testing every single time, uh, that would really limit the number of patients that you could help because that would limit the number of patients that you could see in one day in the clinic. Uh, but that being said, reasons to test at different frequencies. One thing is that if I think that your eye pressure is above target and we haven't really decided to do anything more aggressive about it uh, or we're kind of at our limit of treatment options, then I might want to test a little bit more frequently to see if things are stable or if there's going to be progression. And if there's progression that's happening and it's pretty clear, that may tip our scales towards saying, you know what, we were holding off on surgery, but you're at maximum medical drops and you can't do any more. So maybe this is our sign that we actually do have to go do that surgery for your glaucoma. Uh, so that's one reason to test more frequently aside from just a new patient diagnosis. Uh, and then other times that I might want to test more frequently are if you just have a lot of fluctuation of the testing and there's a lot of noise in the test. What, what that means is you did the visual field test and then one time it showed that you had this little defect here and then another time it showed you had a different defect and then they're just not consistent. Sometimes I might want to test a little bit more frequently to get a better understanding of what's truly going on because there's going to be fluctuation over time, but hopefully if we get a little bit more data, then we can see that uh, things are what, what the actual overall pattern is. Uh, or if I see that the visual field looks like it's possibly getting worse, I might want to repeat it a little bit earlier because I might not uh, be able to tell if that was true or if that was just because of the long boring test and you didn't sleep well that night before and were kind of dozing off during the test. Uh, and then same thing with the optic nerve scans. If I'm concerned that there's progression and, and things are getting worse, I might ask the the technicians to help me out with getting a, a scan again the next visit just to see if that's truly getting worse. Uh, and for different types of diagnoses also, that's a good question. Some, some types of glaucoma may be a little bit more aggressive, like pseudoexfoliation glaucoma often is thought to progress a little bit more quickly, and when it does, it progresses more rapidly. Uh, so in some cases, people might want to test more frequently. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if you have not really very aggressive glaucoma or you're in the mild early stages or you're just labeled as a glaucoma suspect and you're, there's something funny looking about your optic nerves but we're not really sure if you have glaucoma sometimes i actually won't do as many visual fields and i actually rely a lot more heavily on optic nerve scans 
And the reason for this is that you can lose a lot of optic nerve tissue and have a lot of optic nerve damage without actually seeing any effect on the visual fields in some cases. You could have a totally normal, full, normal visual field, but actually have a good amount of optic nerve skin, uh, thinning of the, the nerve tissue. And then we can detect that earlier on the scan. So early on, it might actually be following with scans more frequently than the visual fields. So I guess the bottom line is, is really, um, you know, have that communication with your doctor. And if you have, you know, questions or concerns about the frequency, that should be discussed. Um, and the bottom line is it's going to vary. And, you know, that communication and understanding of why, you know, these tests are repeated um, can be explained. Um, I have a question that's um, somewhat related, uh, which is, um, I get really anxious when I haven't pushed the button for a while and I'm not seeing the light. Um, and to follow that up, um, you know, how does that impact the accuracy of these tests? You know, you mentioned people being tired or, you know, it's a long test. Um, I imagine you, you know, automatically kind of correct for these abnormal results based on anxiety or, um, you know, other issues. I think you kind of already discussed that. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, if you are pressing the button for a while, that may be totally fine. So you don't have to sit there and be anxious that you haven't seen a light and that you're going blind. That's that's not what that test means at all. Uh, you're you're definitely not supposed to see some of the lights because the whole point of the test is to make the lights so dim to reach that point that you can't see them anymore. And then we want to find out what's that threshold. What's we want to get you to that point where you're seeing just the dimmest light that you can and then show you one more light after that that you can't see. Uh, so there's going to be variation and the test really has a, a smart algorithm that adjusts to you and your reaction time. So there are certainly going to be variations and there may be you know, times when there aren't lights that you see for quite a bit and that's totally fine. At the same time also, if you are dozing off during the test, I can usually tell by looking at the, the visual field for example, if you were not really paying attention and didn't really know what was going on right at the beginning, I can see these four little spots on each corner of the visual field test that are often dimmer than they really should be. And there's a certain pattern. So there's certain clusters that, I, that you learn to recognize when you've interpreted enough visual fields that you can see. And if it does turn out that something like that was happening, we can either repeat the test that day or do it some other time and discount some of those results if we know that they're inaccurate. Yeah, that's great. Um, so regarding that um, patient-doctor communication, um, are these results shared with the patient, and does the doctor typically explain the results to them? Yeah, I, I think in general, I think most glaucoma doctors like to have that relationship with the patient where we're trying to provide as much information as possible. So I, I certainly don't keep the visual field secret and hide them to myself and say, no, you can't look at them. Uh, anytime I have a visual field, almost always I'll show the report to the patient and point out and say, this is what this means. These are the areas where it looks like things were stable. These are the areas that, you know, maybe looks like we have to watch out for and see if there's a little bit of possible progression. And uh, it's, it's certainly, I think, very helpful for patients to see that because it's a visual representation of their glaucoma and helps them better understand where they are. Uh, oftentimes, if I'm seeing a patient for a second opinion, I'll ask them to 
retrieve all the results for visual fields from the previous doctor because that helps me see how their glaucoma has been progressing over time and figure out how aggressive we have to be about their eye pressure management. Uh, but certainly, yeah, I think in general, patients should feel very empowered to ask their glaucoma doctors to please show them their visual fields and explain what the results are if they don't understand. And, you know, there are some patients out there who are extremely anxious and just don't want to see. Uh, I, I think <clears throat> I, I think that's rare. Uh, and, you know, we'll honor those requests if they, they're so anxious that they don't want to, you know, see the reports and just want to know, am I doing okay or not? And they just want a simple message from their doc like that. But most people do want to see their visual fields. And same thing with their optic nerve scans. That's great. Um, that's good to hear. Uh, so we're going to switch over to um, tools to measure eye pressure. Um, why is eye pressure measured in different ways, like air puffs and other tools that actually touch the eye? Yeah, there are lots of different ways to measure eye pressure. Traditionally, glaucoma specialists and ophthalmologists, generally the gold standard of what is considered the best way to measure your eye pressure and the most accurate is called Goldman Applination Tonometry. So Goldman Applination Tonometry, that's the one where you get some numbing drops in your eye and they have a little bit of yellow dye that's applied to the eye and you sit at the microscope for the examination and your doctor brings this little device up close to your eye and it has a blue light. And that comes up close to the eye and figures out what your eye pressure is by gently touching the surface of the eye and figuring out how much pressure do I have to exert to push on the eye to get it to flatten a certain small microscopic amount. So this is the blue light test to measure your eye pressure. In general, that's historically what's been used for most people's clinics and most of the historical big glaucoma clinical trials and, and discussing things. Uh, there are lots of different other ways to measure eye pressure. In general, most glaucoma specialists think they're a little bit less accurate. However, there are some other tests that are out there. Um, there's several different versions of the puff test. Uh, there's one that actually is, it gets you a measurement of the eye pressure, but it also does some fancy calculations in the background that account for the stiffness of the eye and give you these corrected measures of your eye pressure. And some people actually have published data suggesting that these are more progressive, uh, these are more predictive of glaucoma progression than the blue light way of measuring your eye pressure. So some, the eye, the eye puff with the air puff, that in some ways actually could be more accurate for some patients than others. Uh, the air puff is nice because you actually don't need any numbing drops to have the procedure done and it can be done on anyone and it's a, a quick, easy test. Uh, sometimes if the eyelids are very droopy for a patient or they're squeezing really hard, then we can't measure with the blue light very accurately. And the puff test will be a nice alternative. Um, there are other devices also that are little pens or devices that have these little probes that come out and they uh, touch the surface of the eye and then bounce back. So one of them uh, requires numbing drops and then the pen uh, cover, uh, there's a pen with a little safety cover on it and it comes up to the front part of the eye and the, the technician or your doctor tap, tap, taps on the eye and then getting repeated measurements like that will give you a measurement of the eye pressure. In general, people think those are a little bit less accurate. They're nice for screening tests. So oftentimes our, our retina service colleagues or comprehensive ophthalmologists 
So we're just checking that your eye pressure is roughly in the normal range. They'll often use that. Uh, but glaucoma specialists use those a little bit less frequently. And then there's this other thing that has a rebound uh, tonometer. It's called a rebound tonometer, and it has this little probe that comes up. Uh, so these devices are very gentle. That's, the probe is so small that it actually comes up and touches the surface of the eye and bounces back in a split second. And they actually don't require any numbing medication. So they're often really nice for patients who are also a little bit squeamish about things and are squeezing since they, nothing really requires them to hold their eyes open for extended periods of time and there's no numbing drops. Uh, so this is helpful for, for children also. Uh, in the clinics where we don't give them any numbing drops, but we'll be able to get a quick measure of their pressure that way. So lots of different pressure measurements. Most glaucoma specialists will use the blue light. Some of these other devices with the puffs or pens or little probes that bounce off the eye, uh, they're all possible ways to measure eye pressure. So quick follow-up, and um, you know, I'm someone who's still seeing an optometrist um, you know, and I'm a possible glaucoma suspect, and I think a lot of people are in that boat. At what point, um, you know, should you begin seeing a glaucoma specialist um, and get, you know, something more telling than the puff test or, you know, start, well, I guess, I guess the optometrist can also measure OCT, but at what point do you want to switch over to the specialist category? That's a really good question, and I think it's going to vary depending on what kinds of doctors that you're seeing. Um, you know, for example, Massachusetts actually was the very last state to, to grant optometrists uh, the, the power to prescribe glaucoma medications. So in Massachusetts, actually, a lot of the times, if a patient came over with high eye pressure, they'd be referred immediately to an ophthalmologist because the optometrist couldn't prescribe a glaucoma medication. That, that's changed now, so I think actually in all states now at this point, optometrists have, uh, have the ability to prescribe glaucoma medications. But then the question becomes, is your optometrist comfortable managing this? If you're a glaucoma suspect and, you know, your eye pressures have never really been high, your optic nerves generally look a little suspicious but overall healthy, and your nerve scans and your visual fields have been totally fine, if your optometrist feels comfortable managing that, I think that's great, and, and they should practice to the maximum of their ability of what's keeping you safe and, you know, leave the, the really serious glaucoma that needs surgery and things like that that they can't manage, uh, get that referred over to a glaucoma specialist right away. Um, there are other optometrists who have an interest, and they've done some additional special training for glaucoma management, and they're comfortable prescribing the glaucoma medications and some of them even work very closely with glaucoma specialists to do co-management. So they'll check the patient's pressures, sometimes with uh, the blue light, the applination, the blue light application, um, or they'll sometimes do a puff test. <coughs> the, the puff tests with the certain machines are probably a little bit better than others. Uh, there's Not all the puff tests are exactly the same. Uh, so I would be careful about that and, and ask your optometrist which one they're using if they're going to be using puff test. But in general, for most of our glaucoma patients, we're still using the blue light applination. So if your doctor isn't using that, you may want to ask them why um, and you know get an understanding of that. But in general, you know most of your doctors are trying to do their very best for you. Uh, so to go back to when to refer, it's it's still a very tricky question. I think that. If, you're, if you feel like you're getting good care and you're, your testing is stable and your vision is stable and 
everything is great and your high pressures are well controlled, then you know it sounds like that your optometrist or your your ophthalmologist is doing a good job. And there are many comprehensive ophthalmologists who manage glaucoma as well, who aren't glaucoma fellowship trained, and they're comfortable man managing a lot of this. Uh, some people will do laser treatments for glaucoma uh, as a comprehensive ophthalmologist, but. I think it all depends on your setting and what's the availability of getting to a glaucoma specialist, how far away they are, how busy the clinics are, how, how difficult it is for you to get into that clinic or travel there. Uh, there's, there's really a lot of, this is a very complex question is basically what I'm saying. But in general, if you have concerns about what you're, what's going on with your care, especially if things seem like they're getting worse, it's never a problem to ask for a second opinion as well or for a referral to a glaucoma specialist or somebody else. Uh, and if you do end up doing that, it's very helpful to get all your testing and your previous clinical notes uh, in order to share to, with the other doctor who's going to be seeing you to evaluate. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the next question um, is, sounds a little more futuristic. Um, is it okay if the doctor switches to using a virtual reality headset for visual field tests? Yeah, that's a great question, and we're going to get more and more of those questions coming up in the future. Traditionally, there's two major visual field tests that, that are done in the office, two major types. Uh, the most common by far, I would say, is called the Humphrey Visual Field or the Humphrey Field Analyzer. So the Humphrey Field Analyzer is the one where it's this big, large machine with a big bowl, and you, you put your head right there in the center and then push the buttons uh, when you see the lights. And there's another one that's very similar. It's called the Octopus. And both of these are the traditional ones. But, you know, during, especially during early pandemic with COVID, uh, there were some, some concerns about how safe is this, uh, you know, with all the aerosols and all this stuff going on. And I think virtual reality visual fields uh, have, have you know, really started to get a little bit more popularity among all kinds of different ophthalmologists and optometrists. I think they're an okay, reasonable way to get around this, especially for patients who have issues where you can't position well at the machine for the Humphrey Field Analyzer or the Octopus. You know, it, it requires keeping your head there in a certain position for an extended period of time, you know, sometimes 15, 20 minutes for both eyes at some point, uh, depending on what type of test your, your doctor orders. But uh, the visual field with the virtual reality are these headsets that just strap onto your head and are supported like that. You know, you can sit comfortably in a chair and if, if you're a patient who has limited mobility, then that could be an option that's, you know, having a virtual reality visual field is certainly better than having no measure of the visual field that if you can't do the, the Humphrey. But that being said, the, <laughs> the, the virtual reality visual fields have not really, they don't have as much research background and validation as the traditional tests. And while they try to be, while they try to really, mimic and emulate the test as much as possible, there are going to be variations. So you may see that your virtual reality visual field tests may not correlate that much with your other more traditional types of tests. And I'd be cautious about making any major comparisons between the two different ones because one could look a lot better than the other. And there's going to be variations between the different platforms of these new upcoming futuristic uh, virtual, these virtual reality fields. Uh, 
I would say that the other thing about visual fields is that really a lot of what we're looking for is change over time for you, though. So if you're going to do virtual reality visual fields, I think it's important to stay on the same type of machine the whole time uh, instead of switching between different devices cause, because that's going to make it very hard to compare. But if you keep on using one type of machine the whole time, and then you can see are things stable or are they progressing. Uh, so the, the short answer is, yeah, I think the virtual reality, visual fields, they, they may become more popular in the future. I think there's more research validation that's necessary to see how, how valid are these results, how comparable are, are they to what we consider the more traditional gold standard types of visual fields. Uh, but the nice thing is, I mean, you can just take these home even and, and do visual field tests at home or do it on a tablet or on a computer or some kind of headset. And that may allow more frequent testing for patients who may need it. That brings us to the next question, which is also a newer development. Um, so you kind of covered, can people do visual field tests at home? Um, are there also home tests for measuring eye pressure? Yeah, yeah. There are certainly ways that we can measure your pressure at home. Your doctor will not come to your house at 2 a.m. to measure your eye pressure, but you can get a uh, you can get a device that will help you measure your pressure at home. Uh, the ones that are commercially available out there are the versions of the rebound tonometers. So these are the little tiny little uh, plastic probe kind of materials that you hold the device and support it on your face and you press a button and this little probe will come out and it will help measure your eye pressure. And the nice thing is that you don't need any numbing medication and it's so quick that you often don't really feel much of anything other than a little tickle. Uh, so you can measure your pressure as much as you want at home. I mean, there are patients who will do this hundreds of times in a day, uh, but that's that's may not necessarily be required or, or necessary. I think that the reasons for measuring your eye pressure at home uh, are many. Uh, you know, when you come into the office to see your your doctor, you're getting an eye pressure measurement at one split second in the day and that might be it for your measure for several months so that's quite limited if you think about your going about living your life and your pressure may be 15 in the office but maybe at some point in the evening your your pressure is spiking up to 28 who knows uh, so if i see a patient who's consistently got really well controlled pressures in the office and they're they're 13 every single time they come in but their visual fields are getting worse sometimes we'll ask them to see if they want to get a home test of their visual fields and then they can do the testing at home and then it'll give us a nice printout of all the measurements that you've, you've uh, completed at home. And we can see, yeah, is your pressure in the teens the whole time or is it at 8 p.m. you have a new spiking up there? And I know colleagues who have you know, asked their patients to help with this and they see these results, and even though everything looks really stable in the clinic, they actually see these huge spikes that are happening, and that's given them the confidence to say, you know, we actually have to be more aggressive about your treatment. You know, you're on maximum drops. Let's, let's move to that laser or move to that surgery as the next step. So certainly ways that you can measure pressure at home, and I think in the future there, there will be other things that we can talk about too. There, even, even implants that you can put into the eye that will measure your pressure all the time without you having to do anything. That's awesome. I feel like, you know, it could be a rabbit hole, as you sort of alluded to in the beginning, with being overly obsessed with it. But I think at the same time, you know, those changes that you mentioned are really important to capture. Um, and I think that's really 
an interesting development um, for people to know about. Um, so we've um, kind of run out of time. I want to say um, thanks so much for all the advice you shared today. Um, to our listeners, thanks so much for joining the Glaucoma Chat. I sincerely hope you found it helpful. Uh, our next, next Glaucoma Chat will be on Wednesday, May 10th, and is um, about my doctor said I have narrow angles. What does that mean? Um, so stay tuned for that as well. To close out today, Dr. Lin, thanks so much for your time and for providing us with so much important information. Before we conclude, are there any final tips you'd like to share about the visual field test or anything else related to glaucoma? Uh, well, I'd say first, thanks for the opportunity to, to join you here. And I would just say that, you know, if you have any issues with the visual field, just talk about it with your doctor. That's what we're here for. And we're, we're on your team trying to figure out what's the best way to do things. So if you really hate the visual fields, you can ask your doc, hey, do I, do I really have to do it this time? Uh, but oftentimes we do have your best interest uh, here. So sometimes we just got just to gotta do it and see how you're doing. That's great. Uh, thanks again. And this will conclude today's Bright Focus Glaucoma Chat. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.